0: Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. So we're approaching uh, you know, Palm Sunday, you know, just praying to the Lord how, how to approach a message if he wanted me to do what I would consider a traditional message of Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday and his triumphant uh, entry. And the more I uh, think about uh, scripture, and the more I think about where he's taking us, I cannot shake, I cannot shake the message of time in his presence. I, I don't know why. You guys just hold on, put your seatbelt on, and let's just, like, enjoy the ride. I can't shake it. Like when I'm reading scripture, I see it through. Am I hosting his presence well? Am I spending effective time with him? Am I spending enough time with him? None of this is guilt. None of this is like added pressure. I cannot shake. I can't shake it. The importance of a secret life with him. So I saw Palm Sunday, I saw the triumphal entry in a different way than I've ever seen it before. Uh, and the Lord connected me with another uh, triumphal entry in the Old Testament that I want to just give you a different view uh, of today. So I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew chapter 21. We're going to talk about how Jesus came in, and we're going to tie in some Old Testament uh, elements as well. <clears throat> you don't have to raise your hand but I'm assuming that most, if not every person in this room has gone into their time with the Lord before. And you're like, okay, uh, hi, God. Um, I've read before, hallowed be your name. Not sure what that means, but hallowed be your name. And I hope you're doing well today. God, will you give me a, a good day? I'd like a good day. Has this ever happened before? where you're like sitting before the king, your creator, your Lord, your savior, someone you sing to on Sundays, we read the word, and you get there and you're like, I have absolutely no clue what to do right now. Just shake your head. You don't have to raise your hand. Just say, like, have you been in that situation before? I have, like even as a pastor. I'll go before him, I'm like, what am I supposed to say right now? What am I supposed to say? I actually believe that there is a way to prepare the way for the Lord in our hearts for when we're in prayer so that we can go into prayer at any time during the day. I believe that there's that secret place, that lifestyle that we have with Jesus, but I also believe that we can and should pray throughout our day connecting with him. So we have to get rid of all of the formalities that we think prayer, connecting with the Lord, relating to the Lord, relationship with Jesus looks like, And actually have confidence that at any time you can call out to him for help. At any time you can praise his name and extol his name. At any time you can give him thanksgiving and actually feel comfortable with it. Even better than that, you can feel confident going before the Lord, knowing I've just had this divine exchange and I know he's heard me. I know that answers are on the way. How many of you would like a, a, a life like that, a private life with him to say, we've had this divine exchange. I haven't just talked to him, but he's talked to me back. And the things that I've asked him for, I believe they're according to his will because they're in his word. So because of that, I believe that the answer is on its way. How much more hope would we live with? Not wondering if he's hurt us. Not just wondering if maybe he'll, he'll throw down a little nugget for us but to know we're praying according to things we've seen in his word, truths that we've seen in his word. And now we can walk with hope. And even if it takes weeks or months or years to see that answer, we can, we can hope because there's that divine exchange. And I believe it's possible because we can prepare the way for the Lord in our hearts. Now there's a man, the, the, I would consider him the last Old Testament prophet, but he's actually found in the New Testament. His name is John the Baptist. He was called to do that very thing. You don't have to turn there, but in Mark chapter one, the first few verses there, it talks about how John the Baptist was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy. It says this, I will send my messenger ahead of you, ahead of Jesus, the Messiah, who will prepare your way. A voice of the one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So this is what John the Baptist did. He appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So we can respond to this one of two ways, or actually in in both approaches. Number one, We can receive that message of repentance for ourselves, and we can prepare the way for the Lord in our own time, in our own life, in our jobs, in our careers, in our relationships, okay? So we can listen to the message of the gospel and make sure that all of the crooked paths that are in our lives are straightened out so there's a wide open path for us to encounter and experience the Lord, amen? Now, on the other side, we can do this for other people, I guarantee every single one of us is in relationship or a working relationship with people who have crooked paths. And what they need to do, what what we can do is just help straighten their path. We're helping to widen that road by saying, would you like to come to church with me this Easter? Do you know that that might straighten someone's path out just enough for them to come in and hear the gospel message and give their life to Jesus, which will change their forever. That might just be enough. And obviously we teach the same message that the Lord wants to use you just as much as he wants to use me. So it doesn't have to look like a Sunday morning. It can, you be, it can be you sharing your faith, sharing your testimony, sharing the gospel at your workplace, in your community, on the sports field that will help prepare the way of the Lord in their life. I think we have a responsibility to do both. Do you agree? One for our own heart and then one for other people. So we see Jesus in the beginning, uh, he actually came and he was baptized by John the Baptist, and then eventually there's this transition. John the Baptist, uh, he actually has his head removed, uh, and, and then Jesus continues on in his ministry. Now we're nearing the end of his ministry, the last week of his life that we would, most Christian uh, beliefs and churches would either call Holy Week or Passion Week, and this is where we pick up. In Matthew chapter 21, the Passover is approaching, So there's an estimated 2.5 million people jamming into the city of Jerusalem. So there's excitement in the air. There's anticipation uh, in the air. What they're doing is they're headed toward the feast, the festival of Passover, where they were remembering being delivered, being saved from the Egyptian slavery. So they were delivered from Egypt across the wilderness into the promised land. We talked about all that actually in previous months. This was the perfect time for all of the ministry that Jesus did. Remember when he would heal people and say, don't tell anybody? He would heal somebody and then kind of slip out, right? He was was living that hidden life as he ministered until his time was perfect to actually proclaim he was the king. So everybody's gathering in Jerusalem, and even the thoughts of the potential Messiah, the anointed one, are fresh in their minds, and in verse 21, starting at verse one, it says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Beth, Bethphage, Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt, here, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. I love this. Like Jesus knows where he's headed. He knows he is about to give his own life on the cross. He knows what's ahead of him. He knows the beatings and so on. And he chose his own method of transportation. I was thinking that like in our own life, he wants to be with you so much. He's going to choose a mode of transportation to get just close enough to your heart and you have to let him in, right? The word says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So he's knocking, but he's not gonna force himself in. What do we have to do? We have to open the door. What is opening the door? It's preparing a way for the Lord. So what the Lord is doing now, he's doing everything he can to prepare the way for people to accept him into their hearts. And I, I, the Lord was saying that to me, like he's, he, he, he wants to be with you so much. He's even picked his own mode of transportation. He's gonna get right up to the doorway of your heart. And all you have to do is open that door. Now, what Jesus knew is that this was fulfilling a prophecy from Zechariah. And in verse 4, it says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, in Mark's uh, version of this. It says that the cult, that this was a cult that no one had ever ridden. So this cult was never broken in before, which means it was still pure, which means it was a perfect animal to be used, suitable for a sacred purpose. I would encourage you to read all four uh, of the different versions of this and then tie these things together. So this was prophecy being fulfilled that the messianic king that would come to liberate the people of Israel would ride in on a donkey. So over these three and a half years of ministry, this is how Jesus chose to reveal himself as he truly was. In verse six, it says, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees. And we know from John's version that these were palm trees and they spread them on the road. And the crowds went Ahead of him and those that followed by shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna is an exclamation of praise. It means save now or save us. So they're basically saying, save us, save now, the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Now, this was not the first time a procession like this would have happened. Sometimes when we read scripture and we see it, they would say, wow, like this was a completely different thing. They're laying their, their, their cloaks down and so on. This was actually common in their time that when a king was placed in power, there would be a formal per- procession or what we would call a parade. And what's happening is when these individuals are laying their cloaks down or laying these branches down, what they're saying is we're submitting to your kingship. We're bowing to your rulership. It would also happen at times whenever a king would come back from an enormous victory. So he'd be on the battlefield, they would win win a big war, and there would be a celebration with the king coming back out riding and being honored in this way. Now the catch is, The Jewish people of that day were believing for an earthly king to set up an earthly throne to overrule and overtake the Roman government to liberate them in the physical realm. So what many of them did not know, I'm sure some of them did, but what many of them did not know is that he was coming to bring spiritual liberation, spiritual freedom, and to set up a spiritual kingdom that we would prepare a way for the Lord in our own hearts. So it says here that the crowd, or the the crowds, as they gathered uh, for Jesus, what they were doing is they were preparing a way, right? They were setting their cloaks down. They were setting these palm branches down. I learned in my studies this week that palm branches are a symbol of victory, triumph, and peace, the tradition of these branches, they were actually used in the Jewish festival of tabernacles where worshipers would have a procession into the temple and they would be, they would be waving these flat, uh, waving the actual uh, palms and they would be declaring words from Psalm 118 that would say, Lord, save us. So this is in the Old Testament, a Psalm saying, Lord, save us. What's the word? Save us. Hosanna. So what they're doing is they're saying, save us, Lord, save us. They're doing this wave offering. And now, hundreds if not thousands of years later, what's happening is they're no longer waving these branches saying, this is a a sign of victory and triumph. Lord, save us, save us. They're actually laying these things at his feet. And they're saying, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They're saying, all of the victory, all of the triumph that we've been waving, we believe this is you. And they're laying their own personal cloaks down, and they're laying uh, signs of victory and triumph down. And the Lord's showing me something here. that It requires us to lay something down before the Lord if we're going to experience him in a greater way. It takes us laying down our pride, It takes us laying down our schedules. It takes us laying down our convenience. It takes us laying down struggles that we feel like he's not gonna answer. It takes us more than just laying down a branch or a cloak. Right, this is the new covenant where we're worshiping a risen king. It takes us laying down ourselves. Even the act of that, of laying down a palm branch, what are you doing? You're bowing down. So as we're laying these things before the Lord, as we're laying ourselves before the Lord, just even that act of bowing is saying, save us now. You're our king. You are our Messiah. It's a posture of our heart. He doesn't care if if we lay our hoodie down or our coat or our nicest possession. He's asking us to bow our hearts before him to prepare that way. I believe that there are very practical ways we can do this. And, I, and I've, I've stayed away from the practical. And just in the past few weeks, I've had several people come up and say, I, I don't, I actually don't know how to approach the Lord. And I think that, that every Christian, you know, would struggle with that from, uh, from time to time in their life. So what I did is I put just some resources together. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. That's in your bulletin here. I just gave four very, very simple ways The first way would be this to pray through scripture. It's something that I've found very beneficial in my life. It's this simple. If you started tomorrow morning in the book of John, I know people would say, well, you should read two or three chapters getting you. Listen, if you're not interacting with the Lord at all right now, I would encourage you read heading to heading. Just slow down and encounter Jesus. Does this make sense? Well, wait, shouldn't we get on a reading plan and get the whole Bible done in a year? Encounter Jesus. Encounter Jesus. I'm fine if you're on a reading plan. I'm not speaking against those things. What I'm saying is don't make this a religious duty. This book is supposed to draw you into an encounter. So if we were looking at John chapter one, and let's say you, you did, you were an extremely busy person. You set aside 20 minutes, we'll say. And I'm not even giving that as an example. Let's just say you set aside 20 minutes. You have 20 minutes to, to spend with Jesus. And you just started to read this. Let's say uh, you, go, you get to verse 14. It says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who, became, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's say you read that like something just just pings your heart. Just stop right there because nobody else is checking in on you to see if you got all the way to the next heading. Right? I mean you're with Jesus. So you can actually start your prayer time right there because you felt something ping your heart. Say Father, that is like amazing that it already said Jesus is the word and the word became flesh and he came to dwell among us. Like if you did this this week, this has special implications because we're about to celebrate Easter. Oh God, thank you so much for sending Jesus to us. He actually dwelt among us. Every other God, every other religion, we have to reach up and reach up and reach up and Father, you came down to us It's so amazing. Lord, thank you so much, right? Forget about all the religious terms. Forget about trying to sound fancy. This is you and your father, right? Like I used to know how nervous I would be in a Sunday school class or a small group to raise my hand and give an answer, especially when there was a pastor or a leader there. What if I say something wrong? What if I use the wrong word? This is you and your creator, Right? So you can, even, you can just continue. It says here that, you're, that, that we've seen your glory and the glory of the one and only. You are the one and only. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're the one and only. All the answers, all the solutions can be found as I see your glory. Jesus, just as these men and women saw you face to face on earth, I wanna see you face to face. And Jesus, I'm new to this thing and I don't even know how that's gonna look, I don't know how it's gonna feel. I don't know what I'm going to experience and it might even make me a little nervous. But can I see your glory? Can I do that? Can I see your glory just as they saw your glory? Would you do that for me, Lord? And then you just sit. Set a timer so you're not watching the clock. And if you have to get somewhere when the timer goes off, you say, Lord, I can't wait to do this again tomorrow or at lunchtime or on my way to work. don't overcomplicate this. Does this make sense? You can open your Bible and you can pray through scripture. Second one is the SOAP method. Uh, It's a method that Sue Gleason told me today. You use it in your journaling small group. Uh, So if you want to learn more about this, you can sign up. In fact, there's group catalogs in your um, bulletin that we forgot to mention today that will be starting shortly after Easter. The SOAP method is a very practical way to approach the Lord. Again, it's using his word and prayer in one. Sometimes people say, well, I do my Bible reading over here, and then I pray over here, and then I fast over here. Like, God is not keeping a chart. Bible, yes. Prayer, yes. Fasting, no. You know, it's a C minus. It's relationship. We're preparing a way for the Lord in our heart. So the soap method is to pick a scripture. Again, you could start with John. Read through a portion of scripture. Just jot that down on a piece of paper in a journal. The O's for observations, you start writing down. God dwelt among us. Wow, Jesus came to earth his glory was here. He's the one and only, no other solution but him. You just jot a few things down. The A is the application. You don't just guess, you ask the Lord. And now you're interacting with him. God, how can I apply these verses to my life? You write down some bullet points. Some of you women, you'll be filling up journals like very quickly. That's guys like, help people. You know, it's just be real quick. That's fine. You're just writing some things down. That P part of it is prayer. Now you go into what you just read, the observations you made, the application that you feel like, and now you're literally saying, Dad, Father, God, will you help me do this? And not, like, not theologically, like in practical application. Today, will you put me in a situation that will prove I can apply this with the power of the Holy Spirit? Put a demand on what the Lord is teaching you. That's a SOAP method. A 30-minute model, it's in, it's in your uh, bulletin. If you have 30 minutes to spend with the Lord, I just broke it up, and if I, you'll see a lot of different variety here, but if you spend five minutes in praise and thanksgiving, if you're spirit-filled, take that time to pray in tongues, to pray in the spirit as you just put your focus on him. Five minutes. You might not, you might not listen to Christian music outside of the 20, 30 minutes we do here. Go on YouTube, find some stuff, email Pastor Adam, look on Facebook, I think it's on Wednesdays we put what songs we sing up here. Listen to a song for five minutes, sing a song. If you go on YouTube and type that song in and say with lyrics, it'll, it'll be your own little worship service right there in front of you. Read a portion of scripture, five minutes to wait on the Lord. It'll seem like the longest five minutes of your life if you've never done this before until you get used to it. And then you'll know how to just sit. And you'll actually sense like, oh my goodness, the divine God has just entered the room. Like you will actually begin to sense the presence of the living God coming upon you if you just learn to sit and wait. It goes on about praying for other people, finishing up praying for yourself. Then obviously you, would, you could go back into Thanksgiving, all that kind of stuff. There's a great resource. We, we ordered, I think it was 15 copies this past week by a pastor that I look up to um, He's taught me a lot in my ministry. His name is Jeff Leake. He's up at Allison Park, just north of Pittsburgh. And he wrote a book called Praying with Confidence. It walks you through 31 days of different prayers using different portions of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. It, just, it, it, it literally just guides you through these 31 moments with the Lord. I, I can guarantee you, if you take your heart into the, the, your private time with the Lord over a month's period of time, you're gonna come out with so much confidence and boldness uh, that you're interacting with the Lord in fresh and new ways. So those are out there. We bought them in bulk, so they're extremely cheap. If finances are an issue, just tell them, and they'll get you a copy. So we want to be at a point in our life to say, Hosanna, right? We want to be able to come to say, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And I want to do that with my my whole heart. I'm learning how to do that myself, right? To be able to say, like, save me from my temptations. Save me from my pride. Save me from my own priorities. That's what we're saying when we say Hosanna. We're learning how to praise him. We're learning how to worship him. We're learning how to bless him for all the times that he's blessed us. And we want to be able to do that. Now, in verse 10, it says this. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What you see in these two verses is a question and an answer. If you want to learn more and you want to experience God in a greater way, learn how to ask that question Who is this? Who is this? It's where you step into, uh, into his presence and you're starting to read scripture and you're saying, God, who are you in these scriptures? What are you doing here? Who are you in my life? How are you interacting with me right now? What are you teaching me? Learn how to ask questions. Prayer, we've learned prayers. Talk, 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 talk. Leave. That's not a relationship. That would be annoying. So ask questions and then wait. Ask questions and then wait. I would love it if I was reading scripture every day and I took time to say, who is this? Who are you, Lord, right here? who are you in this chapter? What what haven't I seen yet in these verses? Will you teach me, Lord? And then he'll show you something completely different where I will never look at the triumphal entry the same way. Just because I'm asking these questions, will you show me something different? So what happened is the people had an answer. They said, this is Jesus, the prophet. And we know this is Jesus, the Messiah. But I believe when we ask questions, we'll be able to have an answer for the question. So it's not just, Jesus, will you provide for me? It will come out, Jesus, you are the provider, right? Jesus, will you heal me? We can ask that question. Then, Jesus, you're my healer. Do you see this? Your questions will then become declarations because you've seen it in the word and because his Holy Spirit has told you. That's the interaction. That's the progression that prayer will have. We'll come in with questions. I'm not saying this is like three minutes later. I'm saying sometimes you ask the same question for months and months and months. I have learned when you hear about these huge churches and these ministries, they're seeing signs and wonders, they're seeing the dead literally raised back to life. I love hearing the backstory. We cried out to God for 30 years for this. We asked God, won't you show us your glory? We prayed that for 15, 20 years, right? This isn't, this isn't like the coin in and get, and get your little gift. This is interaction with your God, asking questions until you can make the declaration. I want to show you what the Lord showed me in the Old Testament. And we'll try to wrap this up. That does not mean I'm closing right now. <laughs> so I've been reading a lot uh, just in these last two weeks out of First Chronicles and David. And I'm like halfway through writing my message this past week. And the Lord said, there was a processional that happened in the Old Testament. Old Testament. I'm like, what's the other processional? Like same exact processional into the same exact city of Jerusalem. And it happened with the Ark of the Covenant. Over 900 years before Jesus rode in as the Messiah, there was a processional that wasn't about the Son of God. It was about the presence of God. And it was the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is the physical, was the physical image in the Old Testament of the presence of God. Now, the, before David ever became king, years before, the, the uh, Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant. I think it was seven months. And they were sick, And they were basically, they were cursed while they had this thing. So they gave it back, but it never made its way back to Jerusalem. It was stored nine miles west of Jerusalem until David became king. So David becomes king. I'm going to be in first Chronicles 13, a little bit and then in 15 and 13, David, he gathers some people before him, leaders, and he says, let us bring the ark of our God, which means the presence of God. Let us bring the ark of of God, of our God, back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. What did we just talk about? Inquiring of the Lord, asking, who is this? Who are you? What are you doing? What are you saying? The whole assembly agreed to do this because it seemed right to all the people. So what happens is this. For years, the ark is not in Jerusalem. David decides to bring this thing back. Well, he doesn't bring it back the right way. He, he makes a cart for it instead of carries it. So he's not hosting the presence the right way. We know Uzzah, the cart tips. Uzzah touches it, he dies. David gets scared. He's starting to repent. He's realizing I have failed the Lord in this, but he's not, it's not over yet. So they take it to this man's house named Obed-Edom. It's there for three months, three weeks. I've studied a lot, help me. One of you know it. Thank you, I'll go with that one. While the Ark of the Covenant is there, it says his household and everything in it is blessed. Very simple principle. He was willing to host the presence in his house and he was blessed. The people were blessed. His possessions were blessed because he was willing to prepare the way for the Lord. Uzzah dies. Most of us wouldn't be like, I am not having that in here. Like, please. Obed Edom receives it. He made a way for the Lord to enter in and he was blessed. Everybody around him in that household was blessed. So eventually, David says, this thing has to come back to the city of God. It says, after David had constructed buildings for himself in the city of David, which was Jerusalem, said he prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent. And David said, no one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them uh, to carry the ark of the Lord and to minister before him forever. David assembled all Israel and Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord to to the place he had prepared for it. So David took time out of his life to prepare a structure for the presence of God to come in. What that structure is in our life is a place in your house or your car or a place in your office. It's a physical space and it's also a time. It's a space of time that you've said, I've prepared my tent, and I'm preparing the way for the Lord to enter into that tent, that area, this space in time to come and visit me like you did when the Ark of the Covenant came, like you did when Jesus rode in on the donkey that day. Does this make sense? David prepared a way. Hang with me. In in verse 25, it says, David and the elders of Israel and the commanders of the units of, thousand, of a thousand went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with rejoicing. Now, because God had helped the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, seven bulls and seven rams were sacrificed. I'm not even gonna go through this, but it was like so many steps they would have stopped and sacrificed. This would have been an intense hosting of his presence and preparation. It says, David was clothed in a robe of fine linen, As were all the Levites who were carrying the ark, and as were the musicians uh, who were in charge of the singing of the choirs, David also wore a linen ephod, which we'll find out later on, he would have taken out his, his, um, his outer robe when he was dancing before the Lord. It says, all of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant with loud shouts, sounds of ram's horns, trumpets, cymbals, the playing of lyres and harps. Listen, there was rejoicing. This was a party. This was not, they weren't scared anymore that somebody else was gonna die. This was the presence of God is coming back to dwell within the house of David. So we're gonna dance, we're gonna shout, we're gonna celebrate, we're gonna sing, we're gonna play musical instruments. Come on, your neighbors would think you were crazy if you approached the Lord that way in your house, like loud enough for people to hear. Keep the blinds open and start twirling right before the windows. You'll see. This is how they prepared the way. They created a space in their life where the presence of God would dwell, and now they were making a procession into the city of Jerusalem, where over 900 years later, the Messiah, the son of the one who they were worshiping in that moment, would make that triumphal entry. And yet it says that Michael, who was a female, here, this is not a male Michael, but a female Michael who was David's wife, It says, as the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, watched from the window. When she saw King David dancing and celebrating, she despised him in her heart. She did not prepare a way for the Lord in her heart. She could not stand the freedom that she saw David use. She thought that interaction with the Lord was supposed to happen one way and one way only. And so she despised someone who was enjoying the presence of the Lord. And people aren't gonna understand how you prepare your own way for the Lord. People aren't going to always see it eye to eye, but this is between you and God. The one who criticizes you will not be next to you when you stand before the Father at the end of time. He will never say, did you worship me the way that that person wanted you to? No one's going to get one last eye roll, one last huff and puff. It's not. It's you and him. It's you and him. So there's a different, there's a different uh, version of this conversation in 2 Samuel where Michael's laying into how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants. And David responds, he said, it was before the Lord, who chose me rather than your father, or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the people uh, over the Lord's people. He says, I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And it says, because of the hard-heartedness of Michael, because she never prepared that way of the Lord, she became barren. There was despising in her heart, and then there was barrenness. And David, David spent so much time with the Lord before he ever became king, he knew he wanted to let loose, knowing that the presence was back. You know, the same, the same exact thing happened when Jesus entered Jerusalem. Some people chose to lay their cloaks down. Some people chose uh, to lay their palms down. But it says the religious leaders of this day, he, they saw Jesus. They actually saw him. In fact, um, in verse 14 of Matthew 20, 21, says the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and, healed, and he healed them. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they saw wonderful things that he did and they saw the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. And they were indignant. Come on, over 900 years ago, this same thing happened. The presence of God's coming in. There's somebody looking from her high and holy tower, indignant because of the way that they were worshiping. Now, all these years later, the religious officials who think they have it all together are watching kids playing in the streets and saying, save us, save us now. Hosanna. It was just anger and hatred toward Jesus, who had just entered that same exact city all those years later. What had happened in the Old Testament is this: David, in First Chronicles 16:4, he appointed some of the Levites to minister before the Ark of the Lord, to extol him, to thank him, to praise His name. So they were using all of these instruments. They were dancing, they were bowing before him, they were singing. Now, as chapter 16, I want you to follow this. As chapter 16 is continuing, watch what happens. Sacrifices stop in this tent that he made because this is not the tabernacle. So they built this tent and the presence of God and the Ark of the Covenant is in this tent in Jerusalem. And what they're doing is they're no longer using all of the laws and regulations that God had set up. They're using their lives to worship him. So in the presence of God, they're bowing their hearts, they're singing, they're dancing, they're offering, uh, offering worship of praise through instruments and so on. Here, while just seven, 10 miles away in Gibeon is still the tabernacle of Moses. And what they're doing is they're still offering the sacrifices, they're using every line of regulation and law that the Lord had set in place to worship. Now which one would be easier to, work, to actually fulfill without your heart even in it? This one or that one? Think about it if i'm over here i can cut up an animal and not even be thinking about the lord i could follow a whole bunch of rules and my heart can be far from god it'd be really hard to go into this willfully and bow down before this ark before the presence of god and not have my heart in it so even in the old testament they were able to worship god either with their heart in true worship or they were able to follow all the laws and all the regulations over 900 years later jesus enters And these religious officials have the same choice, right? What's in Jerusalem? The temple. So now they have a choice. Am I going to walk back into this temple and am I going to worship God through all of the the laws and all of the regulations and all of these things I have to do that I can do them while my heart's far from God? Or am I gonna come before this processional? Am I gonna lay down my cloak? Am I gonna lay down my palm and say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Bless you, son of David. Bless you, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, we still have that opportunity today. We could try to follow all the rules, all the laws to look like a good Christian. Our heart could be far from God. Or we could say, you know what? I'm going to lay down my life for him. Fortunately, in this country, there's not persecution to a point where we're actually laying down our physical lives. What we're doing is we're preparing the way for the Lord in our heart so that when he's coming down the aisle, we're willing to stop what we're doing, give him the attention that he deserves. Instead of taking off our coat, we're willing to bow our hearts before him and say, come, I've prepared a place for you. I've prepared a tent within my heart for you that you would come and dwell forever and ever, that I could worship you, extol you. And even if I can't sing, I'm gonna sing for you. And if I can't play an instrument, I'm gonna hum for you. And I'm gonna spend a significant amount of time that I've etched out in my city called my life to be able to say, Hosanna, save me now. Blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. If you look in these scriptures, what did Jesus do? The very, it won't show it in this one, but if you're following the timeline, it's the very next day, Jesus makes the triumphal entry and he comes and he clears the temple because what have they done? They've made it a house of thieves. They're making money off of sacrifices. So what people should be doing with their heart, they're making an income from it. And he said, my house will be a house of what? Prayer. So he comes, the triumphal entry. We have the opportunity to lay down and he's reminding us once again that time with him should be time of prayer, worship, intimacy, and his presence. I will never see this story the same way knowing of how God's presence came in. Over 900 years later, Jesus, the Son of God, comes in. We have the same choice today. We want to worship him through religious duties and laws, or do we want to offer him a heart? Lay down ourselves, prepare the way of the Lord. I want you to stand at this time. I'm just gonna close it in prayer. And then what we're going to do, if you, if you want to choose to do this, we have uh, palm branches. It's not a whole entire palm branch. It would be considered a palm leaf. Um, but What I want you to do, if, if it's by your choice, I want you to take one of these home with you. And I want this to be a, a prophetic act. What you're doing, it's a physical act that is making a statement of something that's happening spiritually. Whether you spend time with Jesus every day or whether you hardly ever do, I want you to make the effort, carve out the time for these next six days until Easter Sunday. I want you to take this to the space where you're spending time with the Lord. Even if it's in your office, you can bend this thing up. It's like, you know, just fold it, do whatever you need to do. Take it where you're gonna spend time with the Lord. And I want you to set it down before you as you're spending time, whether you're reading, singing, praying. And I just want that to be a symbol that you are laying yourself down down in order to prepare the way for the Lord. I believe the Lord's going to speak through this. I believe that you're going to enter into Resurrection Sunday, uh, more excited to worship him, to extol him, to thank him, and more excited to just spend more time with him in your own private lives. I'm going to do it. I'm going to commit to doing it. I believe it's going to have power. This itself has no power. When you lay this down, <laughs> Before you can say, just as those individuals laid down those palm branches when you came in, I'm laying this down to lay my heart down so you would come in that I would see your glory. So what we'll do, I'm gonna close in prayer and you guys will actually enter into this aisle. Both sides will enter into this aisle. And both of these sections will enter into this aisle. So this section will come down and then these two sides will come down and around and can leave the center. Outside, you're gonna come in grab out of there, and then you can leave and exit over here. Is that too confusing? No? These two come this way. These two come this way. Father, we just thank you. I just thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that we don't have to wait for a cart or a donkey ride. You're here, you're resurrected, you're in our hearts. And we just want to have a greater realization of that each and every day. Father, give us wisdom and discernment on how we can etch out this time, how we can build this tent for you, for your presence to dwell. And also, Father, give us the name or two names of who we can invite uh, this Easter. We believe that life change is on its way for these individuals. Bless us, protect us as we go. Let your favor rest upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.